Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we explore what it means to experience joy in times of broadly felt stress, suffering, or loss, such as a global pandemic. Some have expressed that sharing their happy has felt callous or naive or become an experience tinged with guilt. But experts say joy is essential during times of crisis. In this hour, we explore how the pandemic has redefined joy for some, and we want to hear from you. What brings you joy? And has anything changed about how you experience joy or happiness in the past year? Tell us after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The latest blog post by author, social justice facilitator, and pleasure activist Adrienne Marie Brown is really on point with one of the things we want to explore this hour, if it's okay to express joy in these pandemic times. Brown writes, I keep having this odd little experience where I ask people how they are, and they tell me how bad the world is, and then kind of whisper at the end, but I'm actually loving being home or I'm actually doing good in spite of the whole world being in crisis thing, or I'm actually thriving in these conditions. Adrienne Marie Brown joins us now. Welcome to Forum. Thanks for having me, Mina. First, what is your response to people who share this sort of guilty joy with you? Well, you know, first I had to sort of notice like, oh, yeah, you know, it's okay to feel that way or tell me a little bit more about that and feeling it in myself, too, that I I'm like, there's so much to grieve right now. Absolutely. There is so much loss. You know, I've had personal loss, familial loss, um, the loss of my life plans and the loss of my life normalcy. And there's something incredible about being home and being able to root at home and being able to care for my plants, being able to turn and face my own health. And there's something really powerful about the writing I'm getting done. So I find that I meet them there, you know, just like, yeah, um, this is our normal right now. This is our life right Mm -hmm. now. And inside of life, it's always important to be able to feel the full range of emotion from our grief all the way up to our joy. And what you're pointing out too, is that it's it's kind of a wonderful thing to get to this point where you are feeling good amid everything that you're experiencing as well, that, that it's almost something to celebrate. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something around 
and I feel like kids are really great at this. Kids have been helping me a lot with this, that like every condition that happens in our life is one that we have to adapt to. And so it's just like, this is our new condition to adapt to. How do we find our resilience? How do we find our sustainability? How do we find our capacity to connect to each other inside of these conditions? Um, and for some people, celebration may feel like a step too far, right? You have to also be authentic and not fake it, not overdo it. But I yes. think that there's something really powerful about being able to, just like you don't want to fake um, that you're only feeling grief or only feeling sad or only feeling overwhelmed, it's also be, you know, it's like, wow, I'm kind of living my best life inside of these conditions. And those conditions will continuously change throughout your life. And you always want to feel like you have the agency to find what is your best possible life inside of that. That's your, that's what is in your agency. That's what's within your power. I was also struck by a point in your post uh, where you talk about how it helped you personally to know there were emotionally thriving people out there. How can it help people who are sad or stressed to know that others are doing well? Well, you know, one of the things I notice is that if I talk to my friends and I only hear from them what's happening that's hard and how they're struggling, then in the times when I'm struggling, I don't feel like I can bring that to them. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, yeah. they're already overwhelmed. I'm not going to add anything to their to their plate or their, you know, load, right, that they're carrying. And I have found that with myself where there's friends that like later I would find out they were going through something. And I was like, I actually had the capacity to hold you through that, but you didn't know because I didn't express that. And I was like, I'm, I'm good. My cup is full or my cup is at least, you know, um, full enough. And I keep thinking about good enough, full enough. I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. Like it doesn't have to be like, this is the best year of my life. Cause <laughs> I don't think that that's necessarily the case for most of us. Um, especially for not, if we are, empathetic people, right? Yes. So even, even if you're one of the very, very rare people who has not been directly touched by the, the grief and loss of the 500,000 people that, that have died to COVID, yes. I still think that there's empath empathy. You know, I, I wake up each morning and some of my space of my life has to be spent on the empathy, right? Who am I grieving for? what's happening in Texas, what's happening around the world, what's happening in Lebanon, you know, part of my, my energy has to go out to all the places that I care about. Sometimes my money has to follow that energy. Sometimes my time does, but then I can also remember, like, there's also a center right here um, inside of me and do, what is my capacity today? And what do I have to offer people? And I think um, this concept for me is really related to mutual aid you know, a lot of people have been talking about what is this practice of mutual aid? It's when you have something that you're able to give and share, you give it. And when you have a need, you name that need. And if all of us are really honest in naming our needs and naming what we have to offer, we find in, the, in that intersectional space, there's enough. There's actually enough to hold us all. Hmm. And I keep experiencing that, that on my strongest days when I'm feeling joy, um, I have so much that I can share and offer and there's, I can hold a lot of the pain that friends are going through. And then on days that are harder, like today I woke up and I was like, I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really overwhelmed today. And I've been able to draw on friends who are in happier places in more yes. stable places. Um, and I'm so grateful that we are flowing the energy around rather than that. I always have to be good. And someone else always has to be struggling or struggle is the only option available. Mm -hmm. 
We're talking with Adrienne Marie Brown, social justice facilitator focused on black liberation, a doula, healer, pleasure activist, and author of Pleasure Activism and Emergent Strategy. We're talking about the role of joy during the pandemic. And I want to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Have you wondered if it's okay to experience joy during this pandemic? Has anything changed for you about how you experience joy or happiness? 866-733-6786 is the number to call. 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Mary writes, joy is a gift to God, yourself, and everyone else if you are happy and joyful. I savor and fully embrace those moments of joy, but that's not a change for me. I want to bring Dacker Keltner into the conversation now, professor of psychology, co-founder of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, and host of the Science of Happiness podcast. Dacker Keltner, welcome to Forum. It's great to be with you, Mina. So where do you think the reluctance to share that you're good, content, even joyful, where do you think that comes from? Well, I think in the present moment, and Adrian Marie Brown's comments bring it right into focus, which is that one of the realizations of COVID is the 500,000 people who've been lost and the suffering that's been brought about. And we have this deeper sense now of interdependence or mutual aid in Adrian Marie's reflection. And that's scientifically true, which is our happiness and joy is connected to the welfare of others. When there's greater suffering within a community, our happiness diminishes. And so I think the, the guilt that's associated with it, the, the hesitation is actually useful because it's reminding us our happiness in some sense is a privilege. There are others out there who are connected to, who have been hit hard by COVID and I, I see this as a uh, healthy form of realization for us today. Is that what you mean when you say that uh, feeling joy and guilt at the same time means you have work to do? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, 25 years of emotion science really arrives at a word that Adrienne Marie used, which is, is full range, right? And we're learning that we need all of these emotions in our adaptation to whatever is happening in the present moment, be it playing with friends or you know, uh, dealing with suffering within a family, people in healthcare settings. We need this full range because they point us like a compass to what we ourselves and we, what we as communities can do uh, to adapt to the environment. And so I really see the kind of the realizations about the new forms of joy we're finding during COVID that Adrian Marie really brought into focus, what we feel pain about or empathic pain for other people. Mm. Those are all lessons about what work we need to do. And Adrian Marie Brown, this connection between joy and helping others, do you feel like you, you mentioned this a little bit in terms of allowing people to know that you're good allows you to be a resource for them in times where they are experiencing difficulty. Do you also, especially as a pleasure activist, think about the connection to just broader change and broader work towards greater social change or greater systemic change? Yes, I mean, one of the essential aspects of pleasure activism is that we are reclaiming our inherent right to pleasure, to joy, to satisfaction and contentment. We're reclaiming that from the realm of oppression, right? Oppression um, tells us the story that our lives are only in service to some labor, to what someone else wants to extract from our bodies and our minds. And 
pleasure activism counters that says no like just our existence just being is enough and we all deserve satisfaction and i think that's at the root of many of our social battles is we're saying we want to get to just be and have education and have home and have connection and have safety we want to just be and have those things we don't want to have to fight for those things and we don't want to settle for less than some white man or somebody who's wealthy or somebody else like we want to all have access to these things and so i think now you know covid has has unveiled so many of those unjust um fracture lines throughout our communities right where it hits us in different ways and then the way that we're responding as community also gets unveiled i have seen so many of the folks in my life who are poor who are black who are indigenous who are immigrant who are disabled actually coming together more quickly able to adapt more quickly into new contentments right new ways of being in relationship and it's because we've had to survive that way for so long yeah. um we've had to fake find our joy amidst the rubble of what capitalism would leave for us to to have access to um and so now i'm i'm kind of astounded at how resilient we are and how we are sustaining through this i'm really curious to see how we carry what we're learning here into the next phase this post covid phase before the next pandemic phase right wherever we are in history that's such a great point in terms of and i want to explore that too instead in terms of what we're carrying into the next phase a little later in this hour i want to share linda's comment linda writes I'm a Buddhist hospital chaplain. It's not only permissible to feel joy during this hard time, but highly desirable. People who don't at all feel joy should not feel guilty about it. One idea that guides my work in the hospital is being ready to journey into sorrow with others and to feel my own sorrow followed by re-emerging into joy. To be willing to do this over and over, I am actually happy in a sad sort of way. When I find myself in tears because I know that the same soft heart that allows tears to flow also allows joy and pleasure to be felt fully. Feeling sad tells me that my heart is open and engaged. We'll have more from our guests and you our listeners after the break. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the role of joy during the pandemic with Adrienne Marie Brown, social justice facilitator, doula healer, pleasure activist, author of Pleasure Activism and Emergent Strategy. Becker Keltner is also with us, professor of psychology and co-founder of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, and host of the Science of Happiness podcast. And you, our listeners, are with us. Tell us, have you wondered if it's okay to experience joy during the pandemic? Has anything changed for you about how you experience joy or happiness? Or has the pandemic given you new insights about what joy is, you can call us at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Email your comments to forum at kqed.org or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. And let me go to Carolina in Berkeley. Hi, Carolina. 
Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just want to say that uh, what it has helped for me and for my family is to have perspective on how much we have and be appreciative. I mean, it's very easy to always forget about that, but that makes you feel how much you have and how little others have. From that point of view, I can fully express my joy, I feel, and I have to because it's important to be grateful, not just for your well-being, but also to show, to teach your kids around you to value what you have. Carolina, thanks. And I put it like face to face, that's all. Yeah, thank you for that thought. I really appreciate it. And and Dr. Keltner, I, I do want to step back and just ask you, what is joy? Because I'm guessing that gratitude is is a piece of that, an element or form of that? Yeah, you know, it's it's a really important question. The, you know, a lot of our listeners may be familiar with some of the early research in emotion science and then the film Inside Out, which had one emotion like joy. Uh, but a lot of recent research is suggesting we have eight or 10 forms of joy, things like compassion and gratitude. Adrian Marie Brown used the term contentment, joy, ecstasy, awe. Um, and so there are really eight or 10 varieties that are point us to very specific kinds of, of delight that we find in the world. And you know, the, the joys have been given a bad rap in our culture. And I suspect Adrian Marie Brown has a lot to say about that. Uh, and in point of fact, they, the, the different kinds of joys like gratitude, like Carolina mentioned, awe, compassion, help us engage with the hardest things in the world, right? That when uh, Linda talked about engaging with sorrow and tearing up, that's a kind of joy, maybe a con- compassionate form that really brings about effective action in the world. So there are eight or 10 forms of joy. They all have varying meanings, varying cultural meanings as well, and they're they're very important when we adapt to hard times like right now. Hmm. Are you saying that there's real strength in joy? Ah, you know, you know, it's so interesting because the scientific study of joy, which is really only 15, 20 years old, had to disabuse us of a lot of illusions like joy makes us silly or, or you know, uh, unrigorous in our thought. That's not true. Joy is weak. That's not true. Actually, these different kinds of joy activate dopamine circuits in your brain, which help you be effective in the world. Some of them activate the vagus nerve in the body, which is good for your physical health. These are really important forms of delight that we need to stay close to whatever the circumstances. And so in the context of the pandemic, Adrian Marie Brown, have you noticed ways that it has shaped or even redefined joy? Absolutely. I mean, I find joy in all these little things. Like <laughs> I keep laughing each time y'all say my name because y'all you're saying the whole name, like my <laughs> whole government name every single time. And like, that's a small joy, right? I just noticed oh. anything that's like, this brings me laughter. This is delightful. This is hilarious. I also noticed, I learned this a long time ago, that grief is a form of gratitude. Grief is a way that we acknowledge something that brought us joy, something that we loved and love, something that we're missing and longing for. And I've noticed that throughout the pandemic, I I keep being like, oh, as each of these people leave, I become more and more aware of the preciousness of my life. I become Mm -hmm. more and more aware that like, this is a day that some people don't get to have. 
and how can I lean in and notice the quality of the light, notice that my plants are turning towards the sun, notice that my little sweet pet turtle is walking around faster than ever before. Um, how can I notice what I can do, what I can write, and what I can feel, even if what I'm feeling is grief. I'm alive to feel that grief. And I've loved enough to feel grief. I've earned grief in my life. That's beautiful. And I can choose to take the time more and more every day to spend on it. I'm reclaiming so much time. I realized before the pandemic, I was wasting so much time rushing around trying to meet these unrealistic life expectations that did not bring me any contentment. I'm like, in a given day, I can do like two to three things. Well, I don't want to give my evenings away to a million meetings. I don't want to give my weekends away to a million conferences. I want to reclaim rest and reclaim stability and reclaim sustenance. Like if I'm going to be here, if I'm one of the lucky ones who survives this pandemic, then I want to have the best possible life that I can have. And it brings me joy to recognize that, to surrender to that longing and to begin to practice in alignment with it. Well, Noelle tweets, I found that the taking away of outside of the home activities has paradoxically paradoxically led to less stress, which I did not realize before the pandemic. For those of us who are less outgoing, home is a refuge. We have Zoom meetings, which aren't ideal, but it's what we have, and I embrace them instead of lamenting that we can't be face-to-face. -face. Yoga classes online have been awesome during this time for me. Let me go to Susan in Novato. Hi, Susan. Hi there. Thank you for taking my comment here. Um, sorry, my dog just jumped on the couch, <laughs> giving a little bit of joy. Um, so I, I had a, an extreme moment of joy this morning. I was walking my dog, and as I was over on the far side of my, my lot, I realized that there was some little box sitting outside of my shed. And that seemed odd. And it was a box of tea. Um, and my first thought was, oh, my God, someone is camping in my shed. <laughs> but then when I looked at it, I realized it was from Sikkim, India. And I thought, that's odd. That's like northern India. I have a neighbor who is originally from Tibet, and their family fled to northern India. And I thought, you know... I, I think that this neighbor just left me some tea. And this is not a neighbor I have ever spent time indoors with. I've only ever met them during the pandemic and um, just in passing socially distant. And I texted her and she, she said that, yes, she had just left me this tea. And it, it has just been giving me giddy little upwellings of joy <laughs> all morning long. Um, and so that's wonderful, feeling that joy, seeing that the neighborhood is, is still becoming, you know, cohesive during this pandemic gives me joy. And it made me realize that giving joy, as she did, is also something that's really important mm -hmm. because now my mood is just so much better. Well, that's such a great story, and I really appreciate you sharing it. And, and a theme that I'm certainly hearing among our listeners and, and the comments that, that you have made, Adrienne Marie Brown and Decker Keltner, is that we're delighting in the smaller things. They're bringing us extreme joy, and that joy can come from just very quiet things. <laughs> Decker Keltner, I don't know if you have a response to Susan. 
Oh, I, I think, and I think it's one of the fundamental lessons of COVID. You know, we were in this rush, work, you know, working too hard, driving to meetings, et cetera, and slowing it down has allowed us, allowed our minds to see the everyday delights that are out there. We did this study um, on uh, a, a way to cultivate everyday joy or everyday awe. We had um, people over the age of 75 when they're starting to feel a bit anxious about their, their age. And all we had them do is once a week, they go out on their regular walk and they just look for one thing that brings them some awe and wonder. Uh, and then we had a control condition and, and they did that once a week uh, and just or slowing things down and looking for a little bit of local awe, right? Instead of going to the Grand Canyon or a museum or what have you, had dramatic effects on their depression and anxiety and, and they, they felt happier. So I think one thing we collectively will feel coming out of COVID is, is there's a lot of joy right around us that we had lost sight of. And let me go to caller Aaron in Oakland. Hi, Aaron. Oh, hi. Uh, thank you. Um, so I think this is a wonderful conversation. I, I'd like to start by saying I'm all in favor of, you know, finding joy and awe and, you know, in smaller experiences and, and so forth. I, I feel like something I've noticed, like a, a social norm that I and a lot of my friends have talked about that we feel like has kind of developed in recent months and I, I will say this is as coming from somebody who lives a very sort of solid, middle-class, you know, comfortable lifestyle. Throughout COVID, I have not had to deal first person with any, you know, major health crises or economic crises in, you know, in my immediate circle. And yet I have experienced, at, you know, over the last many months, times of tremendous stress and anxiety and, you know, probably depression and I feel like there's this kind of norm that has developed where we're almost like we're expected to couch everything in terms of, well, you know, I know I, sh I should be so grateful for this, that, and, and, you know, and that it's like it's almost verboten to just say things are really bad right now, you know, like, and because, and then, like, I feel like I'm so often reminded of all the all the people who have it worse. And by that rationale, the only people who are allowed to say they're having a bad time are the people who are mm. about to die. You know, and like, sometimes it's just bad. And it's okay to just say it's bad because like, that's what's happening. And I feel like that's an important part of, like, not to lose sight of yes. seeking joy yes. and feeling gratitude, but like, some days are just bad. And that's okay. Aaron, thanks for bringing that in because Adrian Marie Brown, it's reminding me of a point that you were making in your blog post about how how important it is to be honest with your emotions, whatever those emotions may be. That the honesty is is really critical. Uh, honesty about positive feelings and negative feelings. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I think that. This is one of, I think this will be one of the big out takeaways from this pandemic and COVID period too, is that our level of general authenticity has had to rise, right? We're no longer watching people on television in studios with their makeup, like people are broadcasting from their homes looking like 
normal human beings. And I think that same level of authenticity is happening for all of us. And one of the things that I, I talk about in the blog and I think is so important is you can feel when people are not being honest with you. When people say that they're good and they're not, you, know, you can feel it. Now, what you do with that feeling um, can be an indication of how intimate you actually are. If you're really friends or not friends, if you want to be friends or don't. But I think the converse thing is also true, which is if if it's everything is struggling and you're like, I'm having a great day. Like, you know, I'm a writer and all my adult life, I've been like, I need to be on a writing retreat where I don't go anywhere and I don't have anything else to do. And I just write. And I've been able to turn out three books worth of material during this time. Like I'm just writing and writing and writing. And some days that feels incredible. And it's, in, it's important to not try to pretend like that. For me, if I'm honest about exactly where I am, whatever the thing is, that's where my chance for authentic connection comes from. An authentic connection, even if it's around how hard things are, makes me feel more alive, makes me feel part of this human experiment. And it's, you know, I find myself blown away by how much more honest I am now than I was 11 months ago. I want to bring Anna Shayla into this conversation. Anna Shayla Victorino is co-host and co-CEO of Tamarindo, a Latinx-centered podcast, an entrepreneur, and business and wellness coach. Anna Shayla, welcome to Forum. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Can you hear me okay? I I, I can hear you. And I... I wanted to bring you into this conversation because we got this comment from a listener that I'd love to get your reaction to. Jill writes, I had my first baby at the end of May and it has been an incredible joy and an incredible heartbreak. She has not gotten to meet most of our family and friends and she is such a wonderful outgoing baby. I really wish we could share her and she could know our other loves too. And the reason that I wanted to bring you in after that comment is because she expresses both incredible joy and incredible heartbreak and the connection between the two. And I know that you yourself have faced a lot of grief and loss in the last couple of years, most recently this past December, which I was very sorry to hear. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been through? Yeah, I mean, um, over the last three years, I've, I've lost my my father, my grandmother, my grandfather. So just a lot of the the closest people in, in my life, right? But also in these last three years, I've welcomed uh, my first niece, um, the the love of my life. Um, I have relocated to the place that I've dreamt of relocating. So um, it's inter interesting because I I feel like I especially in recent years, have experienced grief and sadness and loss in, in a way that I hadn't before. And I've also experienced some of the greatest joy. So, so it, it, it very much, like I've had to sort of learn to like see grief and loss and sadness in a, in a different way because it's something, you know, it's not, I, I had to sort of accept that grief and, and, and loss and, and sadness is, 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 Will, will forever be alongside me. And how did I, acknowledging that, how, I, how was I going to move forward and how was I, how, I, how was I going to live, right? And so for me, I, 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 thought, of, I thought of how I was gonna do that and what came to me was like, the first thing was 
I thought of three different pieces and I can share those and we can go, go into them. But one was, was acceptance. That was the, the first one. And so for me, it was accepting that, you know, suffering is, is part of the human experience, right? Life is, life is a balance of light and darkness. And that often in order to, to create the space for more joy or for more light, we actually have to be with the darkness, learn from the darkness, sit with the darkness. And a lot of the greatest joy and light for me has come after and born from those moments of, of darkness. So being able to sort of sit with them as to learn from them, but also seeing them as, as a source of light and, and joy. And, and I think I, I, I happened to catch a little bit of, of um, the conversation and um, I, you know, thinking about how it's okay when to be sad that, that like sometimes things just do just suck. But also I think for me, accepting that you know, those emotions are okay, that no emotions are, are bad, you know, that all emotions are supposed to be felt, acknowledged and, and uncovered. And, and for me, that, that, that's been, been super helpful. So that's just one, one thing I'll, I'll share. <laughs> yes, and I would love to talk with you more after the break about how you were able to open up to experience joy, which in some ways I feel like also requires allowing yourself to be vulnerable in the midst of the intense grief that you're experiencing. We'll have more with Anna Shayla Victorino, co-host and co-CEO of Tamarindo after the break. Also, Adrienne Marie Brown, writer, social justice facilitator, pleasure activist, and Decker Keltner of the Greater Good Science Center. You, our listeners, will also be with us and share with us has the pandemic given you new insights about what joy is, how we experience joy, and its connection to sadness and sorrow? Has anything changed for you about how you experienced joy or happiness in the past year? 866-733-6786 is the number. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email us forum at kqed.org. More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're ruminating on joy this hour with Dacher Keltner of Greater Good Science Center, Adrian Marie Brown, writer, social justice facilitator, pleasure activist, and Anna Shayla Victorino, co-host and co-CEO of Tamarindo, a Latinx-centered podcast. And uh, Anna Shayla Victorino, I want to stay with you for a moment. I, I did listen to one of your podcast episodes, and it was an episode where you and uh, the new love of your life, Kim, shared together uh just how you were able to build your relationship through the pandemic. And what was really clear in listening to you both talk was the incredible joy <laughs> between the two of you and the happiness in the connection. And I, I did wonder, how did you open yourself up to that? What, did you have to take additional steps? Acceptance, you've mentioned, is one of them, acceptance uh, of the sadness. But did you do other things to to open yourself up to receiving that love and, and allowing yourself to feel that level of joy. Yeah, so thank you for asking that. I, in, in the past, I realized that, that in, in experiencing love, 
and in, in, in loving others, I was often loving from a place of, of fear. So, you know, I was so scared of the loss that might come that I became very attached to doing everything that I could do to, to keep hold on to that. And, and oftentimes self-sabotaging what I wanted most, which was not to lose that person. And so in experiencing a lot of loss in recent years, I, I, I really had to, to sit with that and how I was dealing with loss. And it was, it was you know, born from this, the place of acceptance, but realizing, you know, we're going to lose everything, right? Every, we don't get to hold on to anything in, in this life, right? So if now that I know that, can I just let that go? I'm gonna lose this person, but, but how can I move forward and, and how can I love this person knowing that and actually accepting that and letting go of that attachment allowed me to open myself up to love in a way that I hadn't before. So, you know, choosing, choosing to, since I'm going to, to lose and, and I will, there will be some suffering, how do I want to, how can I choose to love? And do I want to, do I want to love from a place of fear or from, a, or love from a place of just an attachment and pure, pure love and realizing that, you know, I think love is the most beautiful and divine thing that we get to experience on this earth. And how can I do that in, in the most beautiful way? And, and that was being able to, to let go, right? Yes. Well, let me um, read this comment from Jerome who writes, I'm a young male African-American student at UC Berkeley, and I've always had to work part-time to pay for school. I'm finding that with the party students gone, I can get so much work done. Life is now so much more bearable and joyful. I can get my work done and feel so blessed. Hugo writes, I too am thriving personally and professionally during my almost year-long work-from-home experience. I'm socializing virtually with friends more often, exercising more, sleeping better, eating better, getting more done, collaborating better with coworkers because we are forced to utilize communication tools and has therefore improved collaboration between coworkers. So we're hearing how people are finding joy through all of this. Adrienne Marie Brown, this is actually a specific question for you. Mary writes, I'm unfamiliar with the concept of pleasure activism. Can you explain how this came about? It sounds like an important subset of social justice. Yeah, um, I'd love to speak about it. I, I came across the term for the first time from an organizer named Keith Kyler, who founded Housing Works in New York. And he used to talk about how we needed to claim our joy and be in our joy, even as we're fighting the hardest things. And then I was reading Audre Lorde's work, and she has this essay called The Uses of the Erotic as Power, where she talks about how part of what oppression takes from us is our sense of aliveness, the erotic aliveness of a yes, living your life towards something that you long for, not just defending yourself against the pressures and the pains and the projections um, that those who want to oppress you might put on you. And I kept reading the essay, kept reading the essay and looking around me and realizing I wanted to be in movements that were organized around our yes and helping as many people as possible to feel that there was something inside of them that knew what it wanted, that wanted to move towards something and not just be in the defensive stance and not be self-negating and not be in despair. And I think so much of what um, Anashela was just speaking about feels rooted in this soil as well. I think of my friend Malkia Devich Cyril, who lost their wife two years ago, that the love that you feel, the joy that you feel, the guarantee that we have when we love something is that we will lose it or we will leave, right? Either it will die or we will die or something will change. And 
The thing I study all the time is the work of Octavia Butler. God is change. Change is the divine presence, the divine force that is moving through the world at all times. And I find pleasure activism to be rooted in the idea that we can harness our power to change things towards what we want them to be, towards the yes that is in all of us. And I think that there's a collective yes. Mm. So we have to learn to feel it individually so we can feel it collectively, so we can actually shape society around that rather than around everything we don't want. So relevant to what we're talking about today. Adrienne Marie Brown, I know you need to leave us. Thank you so much for joining us this hour. Thanks so much for having me and thanks to everyone. It was really beautiful talking with all of you. And again, we're talking about joy and the role of joy during the pandemic. We're talking with Anna Shayla Victorino, co-host and co-CEO of Tamarindo. She's an entrepreneur and business and wellness coach. Also, Dacher Keltner is with us, professor of psychology, co-founder of the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, and host of the Science of Happiness podcast. Let me go to caller Darius in San Francisco. Hi, Darius. Hi, Mina. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I I wanted to call in, and uh, my experience during COVID has been, you know, in unique, just like everyone's, uh, in that I'm I'm an uh, emergency medicine physician, and, and one of the questions uh, during uh, the pandemic that I've asked my patients um, is, what has been your COVID silver lining? And I have used that question to tap into and have them reframe like what has been the positive things that this time has given us, whether it's, you know, the ability to spend more time with family or build, you know, build a garden in the backyard or uh, listen to those albums or see those movies that they've been waiting to, um, to do. And, and that's been on their to-do list, but never makes it to the top of the list. Um, you know, at, at times it also, just allows me to, you know, sit with the patient and, and take them away from the how dreary and the misery that's been going on because we've lost so many people uh, during this that the negative feelings can be so overwhelming. So I really appreciate your uh, your show today. I think uh, if we kind of uh, put in our gratitude journals what our COVID silver linings have been, mm. um, they're they're pretty amazing. Well, thank you for that reminder and and love that that's what you do, Darius. Appreciate that story and and thank you also for your work. Uh, Let me go to our caller, Safina in Santa Clara. Hi, Safina. Hi, hi there. Um, uh, Thirty-odd years ago, I I left Lake Wobegon area and came to Northern California with one goal in mind, and that was to have the opportunity and kind of the permission to experience joy which, you know, like Wobegon, that doesn't happen very often, or it's kind of taken with suspicion. And everything went wrong on the drive out. You know, flash flood, car washed away, you know, everything you can imagine. And what happened, though, is I kept finding things that um, I'd never seen before, experiences I've never had. And what came back to me was an old friend who... What can I say? She's like the queen of uh, putting the icing on the cake. If you have to go through something bad, bring along a cooler with ice and sparkling water. You know, she <laughs> found ways to bring to bring fun into things. And so I've been channeling Brenda a lot more lately, uh, just to say it's okay to really be happy about 
all my elders suddenly having had their second vaccine and not needing to worry about them the same way, or that my favorite weed has sprung up in the garden again, and I can't wait to nurture it. Um, I've lost two cats um, that I've been with for a very long time, but I still have three others that have kind of slipped into that void and said, hey, it's my turn, and we celebrate the fact that it is their turn. Um, I hadn't done dealt well during the pandemic. I've been really holed up, and um, I probably could be on hoarders right now, but I woke up this morning and looked at it and said, look at all this great stuff I have to sell online. And I realized, hot diggity, damn, it's back. You know, <laughs> the, Just the oh. potential that joy can be there every day, that nice. it's there if I just um, let myself do it. Well, Safina, I don't need I don't need to stay stressed out. Yes. You know, I'm here for the joy. I'm here for the joy. <laughs> well, thank you for that as well. Mary writes, most of the time we hear how we are all over scheduled. So, of course, some of us are experiencing relief now. For many, this will turn out to be a time that helps us determine how to live after it's over. Madeline tweets, during the pandemic, I felt so much joy in seeing other people's joy. I've also learned to hold space for all that is happening in the world at once. Understanding this duality has been such a huge life lesson that I will carry with me forever. Dr. Keltner, a lot of people are now talking about the lessons to carry over. What can this time teach us? What can we do differently in the future to experience and understand joy? Well, I think the show has been a testimony to that. And I think the first thing that we should be thinking about is where the suffering is, you know, with uh, young people really struggling through the pandemic, 20 year olds, people of color have been disproportionately influenced, you know, the people in long-term care facilities. And that's a, the, there's good work to do. And then I think that this has almost been a, a retreat like exercise in some sense where we're <laughs> given the chance to reflect on our lives and, and, all of the caller's comments are what I'm hearing as well when I get out and talk to people, which is, you know, just to savor a little bit more um, friends, laughter, eating dinner with uh, a friend or a, a romantic partner or family, uh, getting outside, you know, the data from national, from parks is people are using parks like never before. So we've built in, we've responded with resilience. We've done all these shifts. And I think the challenge is to, keep doing them and to build them back into our post-COVID lives. And again, we're talking about joy, the role of joy in this pandemic and thinking deeply about its meaning. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. And Shayla, I want to ask you a similar question. Manisha, for example, writes, I lost my father to COVID. And in addition to mm -hmm. the deep sorrow I felt, the loss reminded me to find and enjoy joy in every aspect of life. He led a very joyful life and is my inspiration to find happiness in big and small gifts alike. Wanted to ask you, Anna Sheila, about what this time can teach us and how we can maybe do joy differently in the future, as I hear that's what you are doing. Yeah, um, I think that, I think that, that times of, of um, you know, of difficulty, of loss, of grief, they, they do help us think about, reflect in, in different ways. And so just creating that space for reflection, I think leads us each to our own, you know, um, realization around what we can take from this period and how 
we can create joy in, in a different way. And I think some people have talked about this, but for me, um, you know, I was able to use a lot of the tools that I learned going into to COVID. When COVID hit, I felt a little bit more prepared for the difficulty because of the work that I had been doing around loss and grief. And, and for me, it, it was thinking about how can I create joy differently? How can I create a, a, a different attachment to what happiness and, and joy looks like? And for me, in, in the past, I used to attach happiness and, and joy to perhaps completing um, an objective or a milestone. You know, I would say, well, I'll be happy when I get this job or when I finish this or when I do this. And when I would reach that milestone, I would start all over again. And going through a difficult time helped me realize that I needed to look at joy differently. And, and I know that we've talked, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, but how can I find joy in the small things? How can I control the joy that, that I create and not depend on um, joy, not attach joy to external circumstances and external outcomes? So, yeah, I think this, this time helps us sort of, in a way, let go of what we can't control, but also redefine what we can have control of that maybe we didn't think we had control over. Well, Carrie writes, I've been in therapy for months trying to figure out why I'm not motivated to get a job after being laid off in June due to COVID. And in listening to your guests, I realize it's because I'm actually feeling joy at not being at my toxic job and joy in spending more time caring for my family and home. In many ways, I think, Anna Shayla, she's bringing in that control point that you were making, um, Carrie's bringing in the control point that you were making about looking and finding joy in the things that you can, in fact, control and that are right for you as opposed to looking for it from external sources. Let me see if I can squeeze Irene from Sacramento into this conversation. Hi, Irene. Join us. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking that call. Um, I don't want to discount in any way the multiple loss and grief that people have been feeling, especially during the pandemic, uh, because I had myself felt it too. Um, but I have learned when, as working, uh, when working at the San Diego AIDS Project that instead of grieving for the loss of life, for example, that the, our clients, when they lost one of their friends due to HIV and AIDS, they celebrated their life and what that life meant to all of them mm. uh, while the person was still alive. And uh, one of the things that I have done when I lost patients, I'm a nurse, and uh, is to write poetry, even for family members. And the best thing that I can recommend people, I mean, it's, of course, cry because it helps to get it out. But for me, it has been doing random acts of kindness without any, hey, I'm going to do this for you, just doing it. Because it's kind of selfish. I know that it brings me tremendous joy, that I'm giving them joy, but also they themselves are like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And if you do it enough, it will make you feel better. I mean, I've gone through all the ups and downs, and that's exactly what I do. Acts of kindness, uh, kindness and write poetry, which I never give to the patients because they died, but I read about it, and it brings me joy. Well, Irene, thank you for sharing that. And, and there's a, a listener who writes, and in many ways, too, it's really encapsulating what Irene is saying and what you've been saying, Decker Keltner, as well. 
I am reluctant at times to share how well I'm doing during COVID. I question if I'm feeling enough compassion. The world does not need another person down in the dumps. Our feelings do permeate the collective field, so why not fill it with joy or happiness whenever possible? It does not give me permission to turn a blind eye to other suffering, however, and I have to ask myself, what more can I do to help someone else? Thacker Keltner, I don't know if you have a final thought to leave us with as we end the hour. Well, I hope I hope this collective experience of COVID, you know, which has been catastrophic in some ways in the United States, is is really an is really a, an animator of compassion. There's nothing better to put into a culture, to put into a collective, than our care for others. And I think the comments today have really brought that into focus. That it's also part of joy, and as as we grapple with why we've lost and where we go from here. And grappling is such a good point. Many of us have have experienced hardship before, but are perhaps unfamiliar with joy amid this complex backdrop of a globally shared pandemic. So thank you, listeners, and thank you, Decker Keltner and Anna Shayla Victorino for sharing your thoughts with us. And also my thanks to Adrian Marie Brown, who was with us in the earlier part of the hour. My thanks also to Blanca Torres, who produced today's segment. Forum is also produced by Judy Campbell, Tina Lauerberg, Ariana Prail, Susan Britton, Mandy Wynn, and Grace One. Our senior editor is Dan Zoll. Our engineers, Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Our interns are Leslie Torres and Kimya Akbari. I'm Mina Kim. Have a happy Friday. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.